Well, hello and welcome to the Apple Insider Podcast. This is your host, Stephen Robles, and I'm here with Andrew O'Hara this week. Andrew, thanks for joining me on the show. Uh, of course, of course. And it's exciting. We've got some new Apple products unveiled this week. Well, unveiled <laughs> sounds kind of ceremonious, but they were released <laughs> via press release and advertisements and all that. But we have a new iPhone SE, and it's just called the SE, the 2020 version. And I saw some jokes, you know, things that happen every four years. You got the Olympics, you got elections, and you get the iPhone SE. (laughs) (laughs) Last time SE was released. New iPhone SE model. It recycles the design and chassis of the iPhone 8, the smaller version. And so the iPhone SE is 4.7 inch screen, retains the Touch ID like the iPhone 8 and 8 Plus. And it has a starting price, which is pretty incredible, of just $400. Four hundred dollars for the new iPhone SE, and so I know a lot of people were waiting for this, especially those who wanted a "quote unquote" smaller device. The first iPhone SE shared the iPhone five design and chassis, and so it was the four-inch screen. You know, I actually still have an iPhone five S sitting around, and my son uses it. And every once in a while, I pick it up, and it's just crazy how small it feels <laughs> compared to all the modern phones. And so this SE is not that small. It is the size of a normal iPhone 8. It's a 4.7-inch screen again, but but people like it. People like Touch ID. And so this is uh, another chance to get it. I don't know. Andrew, does this uh, excite you at all? Would you recommend this to anybody that you know? It, um, it just depends on what you're looking for and what your priorities are. Um, you're losing out on Face ID, the better True Depth camera system, and you're losing out on the better rear cameras, notably right. the, the ultra-wide and the telelens. But at the same time, it does have portrait mode on both cameras and it has a 4K video at 60 frames per second, which is kind of crazy. A lot of the other competitors aren't aren't there. But I think the biggest deal is probably the fact that it's got that A13 Bionic processor in there. That's right. It's the same one used on the 11 Pros, the 11, all of those phones. Apple didn't put down like a step down processor or like the last year's processor. This, well, I guess technically it was last year's processor, but like they did in the uh, new iPad Pro. Is that what you're about to say? Yeah, exactly. I mean, (laughs) not (laughs) like that. But the point is, they're not using uh, an older processor. So if you pick up this phone, you're getting an iPhone that's going to work for for years and it's going to get continuous updates for years. That is the big thing. Apple keeps those phones running for a long time. And the fact that it's running the A13 Bionic processor, the same thing that the iPhone 11 Pros are using, that thing is going to be able to be, you know, functional, barring a battery replacement or so after a few years. But it's going to be able to work and get software updates and new features for at least five or so years. Like that's a a good lifespan for a $400 phone. So not only is it, you know, a budget phone at this point, but it's got that incredible lifespan and Apple did not scale on the power on the inside. So I think that's going to be what's most important when you're shopping for a budget phone. Do you want to get, you're already compromising by getting a step down phone, but do you want to get a compromise again and get a phone that's only going to last a couple of years or do you want one that's going to last for quite a while? I think it's right. a big deal. It's also going to be worth a lot more in a couple of years too, compared to, um, you know, right. Android counterparts. Right. Very true. And, you know, I listened to, uh, Joanna Stern, she's over at the Wall Street Journal. She does the you know mm-hmm. technology column and videos. And she says she has a lot of her readers that really were waiting for a new Touch ID phone. There's a large swath of people, uh, especially people over a certain age that either just don't like Face ID. It's interesting too with this Touch ID because there's been news about masks. If you start wearing masks now, uh, because of coronavirus, that face ID doesn't recognize you. And I actually experienced that really for the first time 
last week where I went grocery shopping and I was like, okay, we need to start wearing masks now. And so I wore the mask and the first time I tried to unlock my iPhone, I was like, this is really inconvenient. (laughs) You know, I have an alphanumeric password on my iPhone. I don't do just numbers. I do kind of a lengthy, Mm -hmm. you know, letters, numbers and all that just to be secure. And you never really feel that friction of entering a long password because face ID always works. And uh, man, it was really annoying. You know what? Security can be annoying sometimes, though, yes. because guess what? Touch ID was a pain in the butt for years. Anytime you went outside and had gloves on or anytime right. your hands were wet. And that was between, you know, half year long winters or just, you know, washing your hands or anything, anything on your hands. And right. I, I've had glue on my hands, dust on my hands, working in the wood shop or something. And I right. do not have touch ID was just a pain in the butt. So if we have to right. deal with, you know this right now during the pandemic i don't want to hear people complaining about it because i feel like touch id was such a bigger pain in the butt for such a longer amount of time it is so it's still um maybe switch your password to to a four or six digit one for the time being and get around that annoying alphanumeric one right the only benefit with the touch id was you were able to unlock it without looking at it and i do remember oftentimes taking out of my pocket and it was already unlocked, you know, before I even mm-hmm. uh, look at it. So there's that. And also, sometimes if you're laying in bed, and I, sometimes if I'm laying on my side, if Face ID doesn't work at that angle or because maybe a pillow or something like that. And so you kind of do have to like lift your face. Again, minimal, this <laughs> first world problem, but like totally get that. I use a stand on my bedside. So I, it actually works most uh, of the time. But the only thing that would make it better is if it, if you could have your face at any angle, similar to how right. it works on iPad. So that if my right. if I was laying down and my phone was propped up vertically in a stand, it would still be able to unlock without me tilting my head to the side. But minor yes. qualm. Yeah, and that's I do hope maybe an iPhone 12 and later the any angle because the iPad Pro does an amazing job of recognizing your face wherever the sensor is. Uh, you know, no matter how you have it mm-hmm. oriented. Yep. But uh, but there are people who still like the Touch ID. And so this is the option. I feel like, and you can tell me your prediction, I feel like this is probably the last Touch ID device that Apple will make new ever. I do not see this continuing after this new SE model. Um, I I don't see there to be a huge need to. I feel like that, I mean, if we have the same year, like the four-year span or whatever it is going to be before we have a new SE, which this thing is going to work, you know, easily that long into the future so right. we should see a good span of time before we have to have a new one of these lower cost handsets but yeah i i don't see them you know backpedaling going back to to touch id again so it's available for 399 400 you get 64 gigabytes at 400 which is pretty decent for 50 more dollars you do get 128 and i always recommend people at least go 128 it's available for pre-order starting Friday, April 17th. So as you listen to this, it's probably available for pre-order and uh, you can go pick one up. And in addition to the new iPhone SE that came out, the Magic Keyboard for iPad Pro went on sale. You can order it now. I believe there's probably a 99.9% chance you've already ordered one. Is that correct? Oh, of course. Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) So that is available. Uh, Nothing more to say about it, obviously, because we don't have it in hands yet. But uh, does yours arrive next week? Did it say it's going to deliver? Yes, I was sitting there refreshing my page like crazy because it it was like released. But like every time I would add to the cart, kept getting removed from the cart. I was like just too 
quick with my trigger finger. Um, mm. It says it delivers the 21st is, I believe, what my the latest update I saw. But I want to give a small kudos to Apple. I feel like we've had a lot of products getting delayed from them in the past like couple years. Just ran- random thing. I mean, uh, AirPower obviously just never even showing up and Mac Pro showing up a little bit later than everyone thought. And I feel like there's just a bunch of random delays. And this product was supposed to come in May and right. it is still April. It is still April and we are getting it early. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that was surprising. And uh, yeah, I'll be curious if they, I don't know, fast track more products in the next month or two. Thinking about like the air tags and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You know, we're in a time now where I feel like Apple could press release anything. You know, if they they could right. release AirTags tomorrow, and I wouldn't be surprised. And there's also some great deals on Apple products now too. If you haven't, you know, check out AppleInsider.com. We post all the kind of the latest deals. But there's price drops, especially on like AirPods on Amazon. There's an iMac Pro price drop that's going on right now, which you know remains to be seen. Maybe they'll release a refreshed version of the iMac Pro that's a little overdue. Uh, but definitely check out those deals because if you're looking for AirPods, AirPods Pro, yeah, you can get a brand new 10.2 inch iPad, 32 gigabytes for 280 bucks, uh, which is a great, you know, if you have kids at home, you're doing some homeschooling stuff in the safer at home orders. It's kind of a great device for that. That's what I've gotten for my kids. So anyway, check out Apple Insider. Right. And pair that with that new uh, Logitech keyboard with a trackpad. That's right. right. For the 10 too, right? That came out too. And uh, that's shipping. It's going to be arriving next week as well, right? I think so. All right, well, I wanted to touch on this COVID-19 tracking, and this is a team-up with Apple and Google, and they are coming together to work on what they call contact tracing, and this will be an API that they're developing for um, after developers to use in their applications and also trying to integrate it at the system level as well so it doesn't require a special app. But this idea of contact tracing is that they're going to be using Bluetooth to keep track of who you are coming into close contact with, into close proximity, and it will be keeping this like running contact list. And if someone is diagnosed positively for COVID-19, that you could then even get a notification to say a person that you have come into close contact with has been diagnosed positive for COVID-19, we recommend you get tested or get checked out and all that. This would help evaluate and measure where it is spreading, how it is spreading, who has been coming in, you know, if you've been in contact with someone who has it and all that stuff. So there's a ton of privacy implications with something like this. Now, other countries, like in Europe, have actually just straight released the geolocation data from people's phones and carriers are allowing that location data to be used to measure the track. And so that is kind of a more maybe privacy invasive method of tracking, but this is trying to stay away from that geolocation GPS in the, in the devices. This is dealing with Bluetooth and coming into close contact with. And so we have several articles that were Lincoln shown us that kind of goes into that explaining how that's going to work and how they're working together to make it happen. Trump made a statement that there might be some constitutional concerns about this kind of method, not really clear what those concerns might be. So anyway, I was just curious, Andrew, you know, if you had any thoughts about this, do you think you would participate? The the program does require people to allow 
for this access multiple times. So your phone is going to be extra sure. Any app that includes this API, they're going to be asking multiple times to make sure you understand what data is being shared. It is still anonymous. So even if you are tested positive or diagnosed positive with COVID-19, your identity is still kept private. It is not that the service would say this person's name or so-and-so has it. It would remain anonymous to say that you just come in contact with someone who is now tested positive. So it's it's uh, not a specific person based or again, it's not accessing your location. It's just a matter of letting you know who might become in contact with and then allowing that data to be measured by organizations to say, okay, we have uh, an increased number of cases here or there were a number of people that came in contact with this one person. You know, we have to take measures to contain it uh, in this area. So anyway, any thoughts you have on this privacy? Would you be concerned? Would you participate? I mean, I would, I'm definitely interested in it. I think it is contrary to what they say in Mythic Quest. I think people actually do care about uh, privacy stuff. Yeah. They had this long running joke about no one cares about privacy and leaks and just goes through like the 30 different giant companies, you know, Home Depot, Target, I am everything that had all these giant privacy leaks and people were upset for a day and then completely ignored it. I think people actually do care about it. And yeah. there's already a lot of people who are throwing up supposed red flags of why this is like dangerous. But I feel like this is a much better idea than it's a really good way to track this stuff. Yeah. Everyone already has these devices and everything is very anonymized. Everything is very much kept you know, local on your phones. Nothing is shared. And I'd rather have it coming from these companies than the government. I feel like it, there's a lot more you know, worrying about you know, what is going to be used for and all that stuff. I like having you know the private aspect of it, and especially companies like Apple who are known to have such a good firm stance on privacy. And like you said, there's so many different levels of opting in. You have to download the app. You have to say, you, you know, acknowledge what it's doing and you can always remove it, stop it at any point. There's a lot of times that you have to explicitly opt in to use this thing, not just right. Is it all, they're not going to just somehow turn a switch and just start tracking you and share that information with, you know, the government or something like that is not at all what's happening. It's it's very anonymized and private and we'll do a good thing to stop this thing or slow it down as best we can before it gets even more, you know, out of control. You know, kudos to both Apple and Google for saying we need to work together on this. It needs to be something across Android and iPhones because if it was some proprietary technology between the platforms where Android was using one thing and Apple was using another, its usefulness would drop to zero. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no place in America where it's nope. you know, one platform or the other. So so good on them for working together. Apple has stated that it might still be several months to where it's baked into the OS system level. Remains to be seen how useful it would be at that point. But something like this, the idea of it ongoing and for the future uh, would be extremely useful, you know, if there's ever, hopefully not, but if there's another a pandemic or something that spreads easily, you know, again, we've had multiple in the past, Ebola, SARS, MRSA, all those things, that if it could be tracked this way, how much quicker it could be contained and how much more awareness people could have. And uh, just being careful to also know if they're at risk, again, with the two-week incubation period, especially with COVID-19, you could become in contact with someone, be asymptomatic for two weeks and and not even realize that you might need to get tested. And this could accelerate that process where people are be prompted to get tested sooner and not walking around for a week or week and a half infecting other people. So yeah. So kudos to them. 
Again, watch appleinsider.com for news on this and what might be coming out in the near future. This episode is brought to you by ExpressVPN. Being stuck at home these days, you probably don't think much about internet privacy on your own home network. Fire up incognito mode on your browser and no one can see what you're doing, right? Wrong. Even in incognito mode, your online activity can still be traced. Even if you clear your browsing history, your internet service provider can still see every single website you've ever visited. That's why, even when I'm at home, I never go online without using ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN makes sure your ISP, whether that's Spectrum or Frontier, maybe it's Comcast, can't see what sites you visit. Instead, your internet connection is rerouted through ExpressVPN secure servers. Each ExpressVPN server has an IP address that's shared among thousands of users. That means everything you do is anonymized and can't be traced back to you. ExpressVPN also encrypts 100% of your data with best-in-class encryption so your information is always protected. Use the internet with confidence from your computer, tablet, or smartphone. ExpressVPN has you covered on every device. Simply tap one button and you're protected. I use it on my iPhone, my iPad, and my Mac, and it's super easy to connect with just a click of a button. It's the fastest and most trusted VPN on the market. It's rated number one by CNET, Wired, The Verge, and many more. So protect your online activity today with the VPN that I trust to secure my privacy. Visit our link at expressvpn.com slash appleinsider, and you can get an extra three months free on a one-year package. That's expressvpn.com slash appleinsider. ExpressVPN.com slash Apple Insider to learn more and get three months free on a one-year package. Our thanks to ExpressVPN for supporting Apple Insider. Well, last week, William and I kind of had a, a random tangent before talking about Zoom, and we just mentioned quickly some of our favorite Mac utilities. And as I was thinking about it afterwards, I was like, you know, this really deserves kind of a a staple spot in the podcast, and would also love to hear from you listeners. Some of you already commented and sent in some ideas. First of all, this will not be the last time we do it, and I'd love to do a spot next week where we hear even more recommendations from you, our listeners. So if you have some Mac utilities that you love, that you just find invaluable, that you just can't live without, we would love to hear what those are and include it and add it to this list, and also just let everyone know what everyone's using and, and what they might find useful. There's so many utilities for Mac available out there. And some of them, again, I had never even heard of that we got submitted in the forums and in the comments for the podcast post. So we have our list here, Andrew, and I, I don't know how to distinguish an app from a utility sometimes. I don't know. That's what I wanted. I don't know. I don't know where that falls yeah. in the barrier. Yeah, because I saw, I saw your list. And I was like, well, you know, because I use things, uh, Rogue Amoeba has some great apps for audio. And like I'm using Audio Hijack right now to record our call. And there's so many other powerful things you can do. But that's, I guess it's more of an app, not so much a utility. <laughs> does it have to live in the menu bar to be considered a utility? I don't no, know. No, it does not have to be in the menu bar to be a utility. Sure, sure. Not a, no, 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 not. But I don't know. I guess I think of utilities as those applications, programs that more work in the background mm -hmm. or that maybe are not, you know, something that you have open in a window on your screen all the time, but it's just kind of those things. But I say we just run down some of our lists, you know, maybe we could do two or three at a time, go back and forth 
and uh, we'll let our listeners decide if we uh, if we went okay. off the rails. <laughs> I want to start off with one that I had not heard of. Uh, listener Jeff commented in the podcast post. He mentioned default folder X, uh, which is again not something I'd heard of. I've not had a chance to try it personally, but it is a utility that works to give you many more options in your finder management. It looks like it adds some really great convenient features. And so shout out to Jeff. Thank you for that recommendation. I'm going to check it out and actually try and use it. But that's default folder X. There'll be links to all of these in show notes. And I'll mention two more quickly and I'll throw to you, Andrew. Text Expander, which I said and mentioned last week, but I wanted to just tell people, if you do not know what Text Expander is, it is an extremely useful tool that allows you to create just a few letter shortcuts you're choosing, customizable, it will then make that shortcut into whatever longer thing that you want. So for instance, if I want to type my email address in a field, if I'm in Safari, it might autofill, but sometimes it doesn't. And so I have a shortcut in Text Expander. I do I start all of mine with a semicolon to make sure like that it's not uh, looking for some other shortcut, but I'll do semicolon, the letter E, the letter M and it expands to my full email address instantly. While it doesn't seem like a long thing to do just your email address, I use this for lots of other things. I actually still have some old text expander snippets for like HTML table that's 100% width and align center. I have a text expander snippet where I press three letters and it just puts all that code in whatever document or thing that I'm looking at. And text expander can even program where you want the cursor to be after it expands your snippet, they call them. And so I have lots of these, even for things that I can't remember, if you're a graphic designer and maybe there's some brand colors that you use often and you want to be able to plug in the hex, code, the hex codes quickly, but you don't have them memorized, I have text expander snippets for hex codes for certain colors for some brands that I work in and work often. And so I'll do a semicolon and uh, you know the letter B for blue and maybe a couple other things. And it has the hex code pop up immediately. Easy things for me to remember. So if you never checked it out, look at Text Expander. It's a great utility. Uh, I use it all the time. And my third one, and I'll throw it to you. Obviously, we talked about clipboard managers last week. And I want to mention the two again. Copied, which is a great app on iOS and Mac. It syncs your clipboard. It can ha- save hundreds of uh, previous copied clips and uh, if you've never used a clipboard manager, I highly re- recommend that you try it. It is extremely useful. And so you have copied, and then you also have copy clip. They basically do the same thing. It's just your preference. Uh, if you want to try and do it from iOS and Mac, check out that copied app, uh, and it will sync your clipboard. So all right, Andrew, give me some of yours. Okay, so my first one up is Daisy Disk. I used to use Disk Inventory X, but and that's been around for a really long time. And uh, I initially didn't like Daisy Disk as much, but I've gotten very used to it. I deal with a ton of media doing all the video stuff. And a lot of times I'll have uh, scratch disks or I'll just be throwing files into folders or something temporarily and moving stuff around or testing exports, all this different stuff. And I'll it gets away from me occasionally and I'll have just piles of stuff everywhere. So I like being able to just use Daisy Disk and pop it up and see where all my storage is on my disk and being able to remove things if I need to. So when I have like scratch stuff there that I forgot about that's eating up 50 gigs of storage, I can easily just go ahead and knock that out of there. So Daisy Disk is a really uh, an easy utility for that. I use Squash a lot. 
super easy little um, utility. I just drop a image onto there. So I get how much PR image is coming in. And if I'm exporting stuff, if I'm creating graphics, I can go ahead and export and compress and do what I need to do right out of Affinity Photo or from Pixelmator Photo fine, but when I'm getting PR stuff in, it may not be optimized or anything like that. So I can just go ahead and drop stuff into Squash. It'll compress it down for me. It'll also remove uh, or convert PNGs to JPEGs if I want them to, or I can just keep them as PNGs, but that's a nice little utility to have around. And then uh, I like deliveries a whole lot. Obviously I have a lot of stuff coming in for review, going out. I just like keeping track of everything. Deliveries is, is like borderline app versus utility, but I still right. count this as a utility because you can pretty much use it without ever having to look at the actual app interface because it does tie into the services menu. So if I get, so, you know, someone sends me an email and I can just right click on that tracking number and hit add to deliveries and I'll have a nice little pop up, give it a name if I want to boom, it's added, and then I'll have notifications coming in every day or every time that the status is updated on those. Of course, it also syncs across to your iPhone and iPad, so it's really easy to keep track of all that stuff. So deliveries, that is my third one on my list. I'm a huge fan of deliveries too. I use it on my Mac, iPhone, love it. Every time I think about trying another package tracking app, I'll try it for a day and I'm like, no, <laughs> still deliveries. I know. And there's ones that are automated that are nice that like scan your emails for right. like, but my problem is sometimes I don't even have people telling me that stuff is coming. So that's why I have to use like the, the carrier apps, like from USPS, uh, UPS, right. FedEx, DHL to see when labels are created in, in route because I'll, sometimes I'll just have no idea something's coming. I'm like, oh, okay, well right. that happens. Right. So yeah, deliveries and carrier apps. Two quick words, Real Mac software makes the Squash 2. I did not know about Squash 2, but uh, they, I believe they also make Rapid Weaver, mm -hmm. which is a website building. And before the heyday of Squarespace, uh, I'm all about Squarespace now for you know my clients and such. But Rapid Weaver was a great app. It looks like it's still around. So just shout out to Real Mac software because uh, they make some cool stuff. Oh, the other thing too is with resizing images, back to Text Expander, I actually have a snippet that you can uh, put in terminal. And so if you open terminal on your Mac and you put in this snippet, I'll even put it in show notes if you want to try it. It will actually take whatever JPEGs or PNGs that are on your desktop and you can tell it to look at whatever folder you want, but it will automatically resize all of them with a max width of whatever you set, like 1200. This application is obviously a nicer graphical way and has more powerful options and change formats, but it's a pretty amazing what the terminal can just do on its own if you can find the right snippets and you know how to program that. So, Well, I went above you on that one. Oh, boy. In Pick a Mac Update, I don't remember which one it was, if it was Mojave or before that, they added that little... Um what do you call those things? Those little quick actions inside of Finder? Oh, that's right. Yeah, you can program those, customize that's those. Right. I have built in one so I can select a bunch of images and they'll immediately give me that option there and I can just run that resize right from within Finder window. No copying snippets into Terminal. Right, right. Boom. All right, fair enough. That's a pretty good option too. All right, well, let me give you three quickly. Uh, we mentioned Keyboard Maestro last week. Again, definitely check it out. It has a clipboard manager as well, but if you're into automation, uh, and again, like for instance, let's say you have a series of things that you do when you record a podcast, which is something that I do every week. And so there's specific apps that you need open, maybe some other apps that you like to close, maybe messages and email while you're recording. You can actually program Keyboard Maestro to do all those things. Quit this app, start this app, uh, you know, put this window here on screen so you can actually arrange 
how the windows are and what size they are on your screen. Keyboard Maestro can automate all of that. So you do one key command, one keyboard shortcut, and it will do all those steps to get ready for whatever project you're about to do. Maybe it's you want to open Adobe Premiere or Final Cut and this and that and close these other things. Keyboard Maestro does all that automation. I want to mention Plex. Plex is kind of a utility, kind of a service, but it's basically if you want to have a good way to store video files, maybe they're movies that you've ripped, maybe they're just you know videos you've downloaded off the internet, and you want to be able to play those on your Apple TV and on your devices, Plex is software that can run on a Mac at your home, and it creates this great uh, user interface on your devices where you can browse, scroll, and play those videos uh, on your other devices. And so it's basically creating your own home media server. Uh, it's just a great service. So you check out Plex. And one other random one, I believe this is still in the App Store. Uh, it's called Tooth Fairy. Tooth Fairy. And what it is, is if you use AirPods with your Mac, you know, sometimes it can be a pain to make sure the AirPods are the audio device that's selected. You can go up to the audio thing in the menu and you can try to click AirPods. Maybe they'll connect, maybe they won't, all that kind of stuff. Well, Tooth Fairy is a very simple application. And what it does is it puts a little icon in your menu bar. You can customize the icon to look like an AirPod or something else. And when you click that one icon, it'll automatically connect to the Bluetooth device of your choice. And so if you want to program it to connect your AirPods Pro or your Beats X or whatever it is that you want it to connect to for audio, you can just click that one icon in the menu bar and it will automatically connect to that audio device and make it the input and output. So Tooth Fairy, check it out on the Mac App Store. I'll put a link in show notes as well. All right, give me give me uh, three more. Uh, I've got iStat menus, the long standby. I use it for uh, benchmarking a lot, just kind of keeping an eye on things. I also like using it just on my main Mac to watch for if my um, memory is getting eaten up or my internal SSD is maxing out. So it's good a good way to keep an eye on those up there in my menu bar. Has a lot of other little benefits, but it's very much just kind of a a good utility to see what your Mac is kind of doing and how it's performing. Uh, I'm a type one diabetic for anyone who's like followed my stuff for a while, but uh, I've had that for, it's been in my family who got it, everyone got it as kids. So I am a type one diabetic and I'm always monitoring my blood sugar and I use the Dexcom G6 right now. It's really great. It syncs to my insulin pump to monitor me during the day. It shows up on my Apple watch face so I can see my blood sugar there. Uh, but there's no real way to see it on my Mac. That is what SugarMate Glance does. SugarMate Glance. And it just adds another little menu bar utility. And it has my blood sugar in near real time just there on my screen. So it's always wow. a good way to see it. I sometimes get just so involved in, in working on a project, I don't pay attention to it. Fortunately, my pump, you know, maintains everything in the background. It has like a, a hybrid closed loop system that adjusts it up or down based on my current blood sugar. But I like keeping an eye on it and knowing it for myself. So really nice way to see that on your desktop if you're using the Dexcom system. Hmm. Was that three? No, that was two. I'm not counting Bear. Bear is amazing for the record, <laughs> but I think that falls, <laughs> falls more under apps, but I put I it on my so, list yeah. because I really like it. So Bear, yes. it's great, but not a utility. Okay. 
<laughs> Next utility is uh, Paste. Uh, we talked a lot about the different clipboard managing apps. That's my one of choice. Makes it really easy. I just do Command Shift V, pulls up a nice huge list on the bottom of my screen with all of my different um, my running clipboard across iOS and my Mac. But I also have it broken down into essentially different folders of um, whether links or addresses, or I have a ton of different Apple Insider stuff that I use all the time, such as different. Um, whether text values, uh, HTML, um, you know, tables, like all that stuff, I just have copied in here, ready to go. I just drag and put it into whatever I'm working on. So real easy way to keep tabs on a lot of different uh, images or code or uh, just anything you need to remember. Really easy to pull those up and syncs with my mobile devices. Final one, because apparently utilities only count in the menu bar. <laughs> no, don't quote me on that. <laughs> I'm not saying that. <laughs> that is quoted. It was recorded. Oh, um, cutting it all out. My favorite one uh, for managing the menu bar is Bartender. Use this for a while, especially if you're on a smaller screen. If you've got a 13-inch MacBook some, or a MacBook Air, your menu bar can get crowded, especially if you throw something in. Like, literally, if you put in half of these things, you're putting up... Yeah. Ha- in mine alone, I've got, you know, like, Skype thing is going on up there. I got my blood sugars. Mm-hmm. I got a paste menu bar, three things from iStat menus. I got one password hanging up there. It gets crowded. Sometimes you don't need to see all of those. Bartender allows you to completely customize your menu bar. You can hide things, add things. You can put them into like an expanding menu. So there's um, literally like a you know, ellipsis or whatever you want to make the symbol for it, but you can open it up and it's like a second level of mm-hmm. your menu bar. So for things that right. you don't need to see all the time, like I don't need to see the paste icon up there in my menu bar. I can just hide that and it's gone, cleans it up a little bit. Bartender, really, really a nice way to manage all of your menu bar utilities and icons. Very cool. Well, I'll do my last three quickly. This is more of an app, but bear with me. Oh, I see how it is. I see how <laughs> well, it is. Here's, here's the thing. Fantastical. Uh, it's the calendar app that I've used for a long time on all my devices. And they recently upgraded to a new version, which is actually a subscription model. And again, this is a great app and service. So I, I recommend, you know, I do the subscription for my iOS devices. If you even do just the free version on your Mac, you can download it and use this part for free. You actually get the utility, see, in your menu bar uh, where you can click the little calendar icon and you can see the month view quickly. And you also get like the agenda listing style of your upcoming events underneath that. It even gives you the weather for the next three days in that little agenda view of the apps. And so I just love Fantastical on all the devices. Even in free mode, you get to use that menu bar utility, but to use all the features, spring for that, as you know, the extra subscription service. I mean, it's well worth it. It's a great app. This app, I've not had a chance to try yet, but its usage alone made me want to include it in this list. Bar None is a free utility uh, for the Mac, and it basically helps you avoid accidental touch bar taps. And if you have a touch bar MacBook Pro, you know exactly what I mean. I can't tell you how many times that I have accidentally changed the brightness or the volume or done something on the touch bar that I didn't intend. And so this little utility basically makes it so you can only interact with the touch bar if you press the FN key. And so you can, it'll show like F1, F2 or whatever, or you can customize that. It eliminates any accidental presses and you can have, a, have to hold this key to then touch the touch bar. That might be more convenient for you. You might find that frustrating, but I know for me, I really don't use the touch bar a lot. And so I would love to not have accidental touches go there. So that is bar none. And my final one is actually William's 
recommendation from last week. Thank you, William, for recommending this. I tried it. I bought it. It's a great Mac utility. Hazel, which is available for Mac OS, it's little uh, duster icon. Again, links to all these in show notes. Uh, but Hazel is a great like file and folder management app. But you know, I was asking for a way to delete Zoom and get rid of all the other files and application support files. And William had suggested this is what he does for his apps, and it works great. Uh, you install Hazel. Uh, it needs some extra permissions, like full disk access, to really uh, have all of its features be taken advantage of. But I dragged Zoom application to the trash from my applications folder, and Hazel popped up saying, here's are all the other files that are associated with Zoom. Do you also want to delete these? And it'll just shuffle it all to trash. And it does so much more than that. It can watch certain folders uh, for specific files and move them automatically. It can auto, you know, clean up your downloads folder, files over a certain size. It can delete. You can program all these rules. And it is a great app. So thank you, William, for that recommendation. And I suggest it to check out Hazel uh, from NoodleSoft. And there'll be links to all these in show notes. I'm looking at our our list of apps here, and I feel like we should just mention Set App. If you have not seen or heard of Set App, it's basically like the Netflix for apps subscriptions. You subscribe to Set App, and you get access to a pile of apps that are included with it. And I know several of these I had before Set App, but I subscribe to Set App, and it gives me these. And I've found so many more applications like paring my list down to what I went through today was even difficult but set app is a great little subscription for your Mac that just gives you a ton a ton of apps for a very low price so something to uh, consider if you want to pick up a few of these it might be be worth just looking at set app in general so that could be a really cool way to uh, get some of these I was I was very curious about set app I had heard about it you can get it's a monthly subscription and it will work on two different devices, two different Macs for $10 a month, uh, or you can pay for a year at $9 a month. And so it's around a hundred bucks for an entire year. And you can get so many of the apps that we've talked about <laughs> and so many more, you know, like the iStat menus, the bartender. Squash, iFlix, Paste. Yes. Now they're doing things above board. Like this is like a a good service, oh, yeah. like all the developers are, mm-hmm. are in on this, like all good. Oh yeah, the, every time basically they're looking at which apps are getting downloaded and then compensating developers based on you know the apps that are being used and everything. So it's a great way for developers to get their apps out there uh, for more people to discover them because it's literally like a, a second app store on your Mac. You open up set app and it has like, uh, they have kind of like little blurbs about things and you can jump into it and it gives you like a little story about why you should check this one out. You can mark your favorites. There's ones that you've downloaded and then all the different categories to go through uh, for whatever you're looking for. So sometimes I'm like, oh, I wish I could do something like this. And I'm like, hold on, let me look in set app and I'll put in like, you know, color or something. And all of a sudden I'll have three different things that are able to help me um, with converting color codes or something or getting a better screenshot. Um, I love camera bag pro really nice editing app, fairly expensive on its own comes right here with setup. There's a ton. I'm, mm. Rapid Weaver actually might be in here too. It is. I just yeah, saw it. Rapid see? Weaver. Rapid Weaver because I knew uh, Squash was and said real Mac. Then. Wow. Yeah. So lots of cool stuff here. Clean shot. Great screenshot taking application. Lots of cool stuff. Man, they even have things like MindNode and Ulysses. Mm-hmm. Not to- Tooth Fairy is in there. See? Wow. Okay. Well, that will be in the show notes as well. Set app. 10 bucks a month. You get access to 
a bunch of applications. Better Touch Tool I've heard of that uh, a lot of people like. So. New ones come all the time. You'll literally get a notification in your corner like, hey, check out this app. It's brand new on set app and jump into it. Really neat thing. Well, listeners, if we missed one of your favorites or you have some suggestions that we didn't mention here on the show or again, maybe we haven't even heard of it. Comment on the post when it goes up. Let us know your favorite utilities. Also tweet at us. Again, Twitter handles are in the show notes, Andrew and mine. And if you hashtag AI podcast, I think that's a great way where we can kind of everyone can see all the tweets that are coming in, recommendations for utilities, questions, thoughts. We'd love to see them. So tweet at us and hashtag AI podcast. And we'll even add those utilities to next week's podcast episode and kind of keep this running list going uh, so everyone can benefit from this. And again, we'd love to know your thoughts. If you could rate us a five-star rating and comment in Apple Podcasts, we'd really appreciate it. And again, any other recommendations, questions you have for the show, we'd love to hear it. Thanks for joining us. We'll catch you next week.